You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Welcome down to the basement. My name is Chris Lanuti. Dave, my good friend, is ill this week. He is not on the program. It's my fault. I had him on last week, right at the beginning of getting the stomach flu when I wasn't sure what it was. I infected Dave. It took a little bit of time to incubate, and it came out with a vengeance over the last 48 hours. Sorry, buddy, but the show must go on, and I went and got a replacement Dave to come in here this week. Dave Marin, he is known on Twitter as the Sox Nerd. And he sits up in the scoreboard at Guaranteed Rate Field and he puts up all those really cool trivia tidbits that you sit there and you think to yourself, where do they come up with that? Dave loves stats. We're going to do a deep dive into some stats, especially with guys that are expected to have new roles on the team this year or are joining the team for the first time. And I'm also going to try to get him to tell me what is going to be happening on the scoreboard opening day. I know a lot of White Sox fans are clamoring for a new intro. And when I say new intro, I mean the old intro with the old song, with like an update for this team. We want to be pumped up at the ballpark again. The rebuild is over. Let's go. We're going to see whether or not Dave will spill the beans on that. That is coming up. Also, you may have noticed it's going to happen at some point during this week. Might have already happened on your podcast player. You're going to start to see the Cork and Carry at the Park logo on the Socks in the Basement logo on all the podcasts. Cork and Carry at the Park starting on March 1st, the official sponsor of Socks in the Basement. Their involvement with the show brings us the funds and the resources to be able to do some really exciting stuff, including bringing you a second episode every week on the weekends. I believe the release date will be every Saturday and we will be kicking it off live on Saturday, the 28th of March at Cork and Carry at the Park for Game 2 of Opening Weekend. And when I say live, it means we're in person there before and after the game, but we're also live on the Podbean app. The Podbean app is one of the many podcast players that you can listen to Socks in the Basement on. If you listen through Podbean, you'll be able to not only listen live as the show occurs in front of the live crowd at Cork and Carry at the Park, but you'll also be able to call in. You'll be able to participate in the chat room. You will have all kinds of access to us as it happens. And if you unfortunately don't have the Podbean app or you're like, you know what, I want to stick with my normal app, don't worry about it. It will be released as a podcast following the live broadcast. I am currently in the process of setting up guests for this event. I have some good ones that I'm working on behind the scenes, but there's there's one I want to want to work on right now. If, if you'll bear with me for just one quick moment here. Let's see if I got the phone number here. I'm going to punch this in and we're going to just, we're going to see whether or not we can get a guest for it because you know what, what the heck, you know, I'm starved for content today. Let's just, just try to book the guest right here on the show. Chicago White Sox. May I help you? Hi, uh, I'm looking for Brooks Boyer. Okay. I can try his extension, his assistant. My pleasure. Thank you. Chicago White Sox, can I help you? Hi, uh, my name's Chris Lanuti. I'm with uh, the Sox in the Basement podcast. I was trying to reach out to Brooks. 
Um, he's actually in a meeting right now. Can I have him call you back? Yeah, of course you can. I, I'd love to talk to him. We, we're hoping to have him on as a guest on our show. I saw him at Saxfest. We're doing a live show out at Cork and Carry at the park on the 28th on opening weekend. And okay. we'd love for him to jump in the little golf cart and come down and, uh, and talk with us for a little bit. Uh, what's the best number he can reach you at, Chris? 708-459-8400. And then what is your show again called or your podcast? Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. It's like the biggest White Sox podcast there is. I sit in the basement with my buddy Dave, mm-hmm. four fans, by fans, linked up with Cork and Carry at the park, mm-hmm. a Southside tradition. We talk White Sox baseball. It's a big deal. He knows. Okay. I will let him know. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye-bye. I don't know. You think he's going to get the message? I don't think he's going to get the message. We might have to try something else. Every once in a while here, Socks in the Basement brings in a regular guest. Uh, We have several of them that will pop up from time to time. One such man goes by the Twitter handle at SocksNerd on your White Sox Twitter. He also comes up with all of the really cool trivia tidbits you see on the scoreboard at Guaranteed Rate Field at Sox home games. He let me up into his secret kingdom last year at the end of the year. I got to go see it. I got to go see how the whole thing worked up in the scoreboard. Dave Marin's on the line. How are you, Dave? Chris, how are you? Good. I'm good. You laugh at that, man. That, that, that was cool when you brought me up there. I thought that was really neat. I will say this about that. I, I maybe have the best seat in the house there. I'll tell you that much right now. I love that place. You do have. I mean, it just... People are paying way too much money to have a seat not as good as yours where you're sitting to set up that scoreboard. It's incredible. I know. I try not to, to harp too much on that because, you know, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> All of a sudden, that'll be a new elite section, and you guys you guys will actually be in the scoreboard again. Yeah, why not, you know? Sure. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to start right off and ask you before we get into some of the stuff to be more your forte, but I got to ask you as a fan, what did you think of the off season? Oh, it's great. I, um, you know, they had an off season like this a few years ago where they got a lot of good signees. I think Adam Dunn and David Robertson, but this team looks like it is fitting together better than any other team in Sox recent Sox history that I can think of. Maybe that 2008 team was really, you know, but you got to go way back for that. But you know, just reading the reports out of camp, it just seems like everyone is very, very. Uh, cohesive and and fitting together really well. So I I, I really like the offseason. I, I think it's been it's been great. And you get the opportunity now with all of these new players coming in to kind of do some deep dives into some stats and try to find some tidbits. If you, how hard are you working on the new guys right now, getting ready for stuff? I've been digging up uh, stuff on the new guys and some of the old guys as well. Um, you know, just the other day, and I'll tell you what I have. And I know a lot of people are not fans of Tim Anderson in the top spot because of his lack of walks. But, you know, whenever he bats first, I always put a stat up on the board about his performance, not only leading off, but start actually, you know, the first batter of the game for the White Sox. And as a leadoff hitter, he slashes 273, 296, and 435 with 18 homers. That's in 119 games as a leadoff hitter. Now, as the first batter of the game, his batting average is 376. His on-base percentage is 387. 
and his slugging percentage is 573 with five homers. And that's 119 times leading off the game. He's really good in that first at bat. Like, like that first oh at bat is, is the thing. But the problem is then he goes back to being, but, but that, that's the weird thing. Like what you touch on there is a really interesting step because the whole idea is I, I want a guy up at the top of the order that's going to get on base a lot. And you look at the raw stats of him when he's a leadoff hitter, you go, man, he doesn't even have an OBP of 300. But when you think of right. that one at bat that starts off the game, he's actually really good. And maybe that, maybe that one at bat wins you the game. But I will tell you this. Here is the maddening thing about Tim Anderson. In those 100 and <laughs> I even hate to bring this up. In, that, in those 119 times that he has let off a game for the White Sox, he's walked once. <laughs> well, that's a stat you can't so, put up on the board. Like, that's in your, I want to put that up there, but I can't. Well, Chris, I have these stats. Like, when he bats first, I've got these great stats. I've got maybe five or six right in a row of him starting the game. He swings at the second pitch. All that work is out the window. So, but the, the good news is he's getting a hit or hitting a homer. So, but you know, I get that. I get how people are not fans of him in the leadoff spot. But those game starting stats are so impressive. And I haven't really done a deep dive on like how they compare to like, I don't know, Brett, you know, the great Ricky Henderson or Brett Butler or Tim Raines or any of those great leadoff hitters. But I gotta believe that those are some of the you know best, and it's not like it's a small sample size either. It's 119 times. That's a lot. So that is that is interesting. Who is the guy that you're that you've gotten now that's new to the team? Whether it be a guy who's coming up from the minor leagues who's going to be on the team, like Luis Robert, or a new free agent that's come on that you have found the most interesting stuff that you sit there and go, "This guy is a treasure trove of cool." like outside-of-the-box stats that I can't wait to put up there? Let me give you this one that I found right when he signed, and in light of recent events, it's become a lot more interesting. Steve Ciszek, the reliever, he's held Altuve hitless in nine at-bats in his career. Now, I didn't, I didn't dig up and see how many of those were actually in Houston, right? But, you know, he's, he's held Altuve hitless in nine at-bats in his career. So I thought that was pretty good. Um, Edwin Encarnacion uh, has hit 56% of his home runs against teams with at least a 500 record. Yeah, why not, right? Yeah. And uh, how about Dallas Keuchel, 15-7 and seven against Detroit, Cleveland, Kansas City, and Minnesota. Now that's, 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 a, fun, that's a fun stat. I like that stat. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's the stuff I kind of look for, uh, how guys do against uh, division rivals and and things like that. And I, um, Gio Gonzalez coming back is kind of cool. You know, he was signed so long ago that people kind of, you know, forget about him. But, you know, he was originally drafted by the White Sox. And uh, he, Doug Drabeck, and Jack McDowell are the only pitchers ever drafted by the White Sox to win 20 games in a season. And Gonzalez and Doug Drabeck did it without the White Sox. They won they weren't with the White Sox. That's correct. So I've done a lot of... Yeah, I've done a lot of digging on, on that. Um, one that I just found out recently when Renteria, I mean, tipped his hand, but we all kind of knew that um, Lucas was going to start opening day. If Giolito wins his opening day start, he will be the first right-handed starter to win on opening day at home for the White Sox since Orville Grove did in 1944. And uh, I was kind of, I kept going back and back and back and looking for a right-handed starter that had won on opening day for the Sox. And I got back to 1944. And then when you think too, like 
the Sox have had a lot of lefties start on opening day. But Giolito, I think, is uh, he's going to be an interesting one throughout the year. I really enjoy digging up stuff on him. I, you know, I just really like watching him pitch, and I love his attitude. He's just becoming – he's yeah. quickly becoming one of my favorite players on that team. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. I don't know whether or not you'll be able to tell me this, but – there has been a thing now over the last couple of years where fans want to see the old introduction, the Pirates of the Caribbean music. They're, they're wondering if that stuff's ever coming back. It's been insinuated by the White Sox when they get good. Maybe you'll see it again. Is there something new this year up on the scoreboard? Have you, do you know what the intro is? You know, to be honest with you, it's so early. I, I, I don't know. Are you hearing any rumblings? Any rumble? Any rumblings on it? Like, have you talked to anybody in there? You don't have to tell me what it is, but have you heard anything? I heard that they had a good time in Arizona. How's that? Okay. You know, <laughs> doing all, getting all the getting all the video and the pictures and things like that. No, I I don't know. And and to be honest, I I don't know how far along they are uh, with that. So I, I wish I could give you a more definitive answer, but I don't know. I will say this: I like that. So yeah, I would love to see that come back. You know, yeah, it was really good. I've, I've been known to call it up on YouTube a few times and watch it myself. So you could just bring back the music, and you could. And and what's great is that I see all these fans that have put together these amazing things on. Uh, you know, they'll make a YouTube video and they'll release it on Twitter or Facebook or something like that, and they're using that music. And they've they've reinserted now this team in there along with some big moments in White Sox history, and yeah. it, you could tell the fan base is clamoring for it. And I just feel like we're start, we're starting to become like a fan base that's coming back. It's going to get raucous out there this summer. I think they're going to have a great year. I, I think you want to have that that energy. I'm talking about it right now. I'm getting tingles. Like I want that back. So yeah. if you talk to the gang that puts it together, uh, you you tell them that there's a groundswell for this. Okay. Oh, I'm sure they know. I'm sure they've heard because one thing I've learned: the great Sox fans are very good at letting their opinions be known. So that's I'm sure I'm sure everyone knows about this and and what they want to hear and what they want. So that's I don't think you have to worry about that. So when will you really sit down and say, okay, it's time to buckle down, it's time to get ready for opening day. I I, I mean I know we're still a little bit out here, but I would imagine opening day and opening weekend is a big deal for you guys because there's a lot of new stuff getting put up there. There's new graphics. There's probably new stuff you have to work out. So when does that happen? When is your spring training? I would say, uh, you know, the next couple of weeks, uh, we're all going to get together and start figuring out what's going on and what goes where and who does what. It's always interesting because I liken our job a lot to uh, NASCAR and and the Daytona 500 where, you know, opening day is like our biggest, one of our biggest events. It won't be the biggest event this year, but it is a big event. And we have no, like, we have no, like, exhibition games or anything to, to do that. So we've got to hit the ground running, which is one of the great uh, challenges and um, uh, about the job. So in the next couple of weeks, I think we'll go down there. We'll start, I'll start inputting stats. I've already started, you know, digging up good stats and, and things like that. Um so for me, you know, it's a year-round proposition. I, I just keep – there is no off-season for the Sox nerd, as I tell people. That's awesome. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing your work out there this uh, summer and and uh, finding a way to, to sneak my way back up there again at some point this year because that was a blast, and I really appreciate it. You know, I want to tell everybody right now before I let Dave go – not only did he let me come up there, he let me bring up my my uh, my middle child, but he came up there. He's my biggest baseball fan, and he was just like, he was like, Dad, this is so cool. Like, you made me look cool in front of the kid. 
Like he was like, he's like, this is so cool. We get to see this. We get to see that. You made me look cool. So I appreciate it, Dave. Well, as my boss, Jeff Chanel says, what we do is we make memories and that's one of our goals. And I'm glad that was able to happen. Awesome. That's Dave Marin. He's the Sox nerd. Follow him on Twitter at Sox nerd. He sends out stuff constantly with really cool little trivia bits and inside stuff. It's it, he's a great follow and uh, we love having him on the show. Dave, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Chris. I love it. We'll talk to you soon. Aaron bummer. Now he gets his big extension, which is great for him. We ran a poll immediately after the news broke that bummer was getting an extension. Let me give the details first. And I want to tell you what white Sox fans out there said about the extension that Aaron Bummer, 26-year-old relief pitcher for the White Sox, just received. $1 million this season, $2 million in 2021, $2.5 million in 2022, $3.75 million in 2023, $5.5 million in 2024. He has option years for 7.25 mil and 7.5 mil with $1.25 million buyouts if they decide to buy him out. So if they buy him out, before the first option year, they don't even have to pay the second buyout. It's just one cost to get out of the uh, of the options of $1.25 million. All right. Now, here's the deal. We send out a tweet, just a poll, asking, are you in favor of those kind of extensions for relief pitchers? Because with the value up at $29.5 million, if it goes all the way up to the top of the two option years, that right now would be the largest extension given to a non-closer who has yet to qualify for salary arbitration in Major League Baseball history. So that's a big deal. 70% of White Sox fans who responded to the poll said, great, make that deal, we're happy. 30% were against it. I wish my buddy Dave was sitting down here at my nine-foot homemade oak bar to tell me why he doesn't like extending relief pitchers. Because in his mind, they're good one year, they're bad the next. And this is an awful lot of money. If you are of that thought process, I'd like to break something down here for you real quick. I looked up, bummer, how much time he had left service-wise and what he's making yearly. He had qualified for just over a year of service time. So he was going to have two more pre-arbitration years, and then he was going to have three years of arbitration. That's the five-year deal, two plus three. So basically what the White Sox did is they just settled his pre-arb and his arb years for him. One million in 2020. $2 $2 million in 2021, those are his pre-ARB years. So they could have paid him less than that. But in 2022 at $2.5 million, Alex Colome, he got $10.5 million in arbitration this year. Just, just wrap your brain around that. Leary Garcia, who's a utility backup position player, got $3.25 million. Aaron Bummer is going to come in at as a lot less three years from now when he hits arbitration. That saves a lot of money. Same thing for 2023 and only 3.75 million. He's still, he's not bringing anything big. The five and a half million in 2024, he may start getting some value himself. He gave away a lot of money for long-term security. That's what I see. What Bummer did is he gave away a lot of money for long-term security and the White Sox get a deal on him. Look, if you still want a guy after all those years and you want to go get a relief pitcher and he's that effective, a little over 7 million, seven and a half million for the relief pitcher, if he's what he still is, is a steal. The only way this hurts the White Sox is if the White Sox have a player in Bummer who comes out this year and just falls apart. Like he can't do, he's got a five and a half ERA. He's giving up bombs every time he's out there. Okay. He's, he's, he's 
Carson Fulmer out of the pen. And you're just like, whoa, my goodness, what are we doing? The guy induces so many ground balls, though, and he was so effective. I don't think he's going to fall apart that much, even if he has a regression year, even if he has a bad year in there while he's doing this. This was a value deal. It's a good deal. It's a solid deal. I like the deal. I know he's a relief pitcher. When you look at those numbers, though, and what they're going to pay him compared to what guys with his skill level are getting in arbitration, they're betting on Aaron Bummer, and I think it's a safe bet. The other safe bet is Yohan Moncada, of course, James Fox tweeting out this week. And you know what? I'm starting to get to the point where when our good friend James Fox, who has been on this show many, many times here on Sox in the Basement, when he says something like the White Sox are working on an extension with a player, he's right. And he normally has the years, supposedly six or more years, supposedly the richest contract the White Sox are going to hand out in their history. The actual tweet, the White Sox and Yohan Moncada in discussions on a contract extension, it should be for six plus seasons. And the total outlay would be the largest in franchise history if completed. Now, Moncada said, I don't know anything about it. That's up to the agents. Standard answer. I trust James. James has been on these things all off season. He's got somebody in there. White Sox are probably like, where is he getting this from? Good for you, James. Also, can we just recap one quick thing that Dave Sox nerd Marin said earlier on in this program? Here it is. And I know a lot of people are not fans of Tim Anderson in the top spot. And as a leadoff hitter, he slashes 273, 296, and 435 with 18 homers. That's in 119 games as a leadoff hitter. Now, as the first batter of the game, his batting average is 376, his on-base percentage is 387, and his slugging percentage is 573 with five homers. And that's 119 times leading off the game. Good to visit with Dave. Uh, I think that this Tim Anderson in the leadoff spot thing is going to be a reality. Ricky seems to really want to do it. I don't know if I'm a big fan of it. Dave makes me feel a little bit better with that stat than in that first spot, like sitting there at the top of the order in that first at bat of the game. For some reason, Tim Anderson likes to start the game off in style. So I, I, don't, I don't know what I feel about that because it's such a weird stat, but it's, it's a big sample size. In the game yesterday, in a split squad, which I find very, very interesting, the White Sox split their squads up and they run out a lineup of Anderson, Mancada, Abreu, Encarnacion, Jimenez, Mazzara, Robert, McCann, and Garcia. Now, Grandal is not coming out and playing in any games for a little bit. It's been something that Renteria has said. He's not ready to start putting him behind the plate. So if you take that into account, and then you look at the fact that the other side had Danny Mendick, Zach Collins, Mike Rodolfo, Luis Gonzalez, Yerman Mercedes. The lineup that seems like it's the starting lineup on opening day, or at least close to it, I think that's what Ricky, Ricky wants to see it. He's been sitting around offseason. He wants to see it. He wants to see what's going to happen out there. And what I take from that is Danny Mendick being on the other squad, he's not what Ricky's thinking at second base. I think Ricky wants to start Leary. Or at least he wants to give him an opportunity to win the everyday second base job until Nick Mandrigal comes up. Maybe I'm grasping at straws, but that's what I kind of see here. 
I mean, he's got Anderson in the leadoff role, which he's saying, I'm thinking about doing that for the year. With Moncada in the two role, which he's saying, I'm thinking about doing that for the year. And then Abreu, Encarnacion, and Jimenez makes ter- perfect sense. Mazzara, Luis Robert makes perfect sense. McCann in the eighth spot, Garcia in the nine. Now look, when Grandal shows up, he better not be batting in the eighth spot. Ricky needs his head examined if he's batting in the eighth spot. I, I think you could actually shift it from, you could put him in between Jimenez and Mazzara. I'd be totally fine with it. I'd be cool with something like that. But you're not batting him in the eighth spot. But McCann down the eight and Leary Garcia in the nine would make sense as a lineup you're going to see early in the season when they're giving Yasmani Grandal a day off. That's what this looks like to me. It isn't Mendick sitting down there in the nine spot. It's Leary. And I, I love Leary as the Swiss Army knife. And I think he'll eventually become that. But when I look at the lineup, I sit there and it just it hits me that this was Ricky almost sending a signal like, hey, this is my starting lineup. If you're not on this squad going over to face the Giants, you're you're not a starter. Don't assume that you are. Don't even assume that you're on the team. And assuming you're on the team is another thing. I mean, think about it. You got 26 men, right? Well, you've got 10 spots, 11 spots already filled up on this team, don't you? You have 10 or 11 position player spots. I mean, there's probably like one relief pitching spot that's open on this team. Let's say there's 13 guys that are players, not pitchers, that are breaking camp with the White Sox. Well, your two catchers are going in Grandal and McCann. And then you're going to send out Abreu, Anderson, Encarnacion, Juan Moncada, and I assumed Danny Mendick at second base. But also, add in Leary Garcia, Eloy Jimenez, Nomar Mazzara, Luis Robert. That's 11. That means there's two spots. Assuming that Mendick is still in the mix for the second base job, which I believe he is. That's two spots for Adam Engel, Blake Rutherford, Yerman Mercedes, and then some of these non-roster invitees. Nicky Delmonico, who's going to try his darndest to make the team. Daniel Pelko is going to try his darndest to make the team. Nick Madrigal still wants to make the team. And then you get the fun of watching Andrew Vaughn go out there and just look like a professional hitter. I mean, it's just going to suck when they sit there and say, okay, now we've assigned him the minor league camp because we want to let the other guys get games and we know he's not breaking camp. And you're going to be like, oh, he was so much fun to watch. You know, he's coming. He's coming eventually, but you're not getting him. But I mean, think about those guys that I mentioned and there's like two spots. Unless, of course, Ricky's even sitting there saying that, okay, there's, there's actually 10 spots that are taken. There's three spots because Garcia's the second baseman until somebody takes it from him. That's a lot of names fighting for things. And I get it that people are rooting for Nicky. I root for Nicky. On a personal level, Nicky Delmonico, not only does he have a great story, but I'll never forget at SoxFest, not this year, but the last year, I got my son with me and I was covering everything for Sox in the basement. And I had an extra pass because Dave disappeared on me like he always does. And I'm like, come on, let's take the, I'm going to take the kids down. You know, I, I asked my wife, like, bring them down and I'm going to, they can, one of them can hang in the pool and the other one I'll take for a couple hours and then we'll switch. We'll give them a couple hours in Saxfest. All Dominic, my son, wanted to do was get a Nicky Delmonico autograph. I have no idea why, but at that point, he's, he's 10 years old, about to go on 11, and he wants a Nicky Delmonico autograph. Well, unfortunately, he can only get in the Nicky Delmonico picture line. So he stands there the whole time. He gets up there. He's probably like one of the first 20 people to get up there in, in the picture line. He gets a picture with Nicky, and he tells him, uh, Mr. Delmonico, he, he, 
Dominic's great at this. He'll look at you right in the eye. I get a lot of adults that tell me this. He'll look at you right in the eye and he'll he'll shake your hand. Like I've, I've been trying to teach him, like, this is how you talk to, to people. So he looks him right in the eye. He's like, Mr. Delmonico, uh, would you sign my baseball card? And uh, right away, like, one of the security guards is like, no, 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 kid, this is just photos. And Nikki goes, it's okay, kid. Just stand off there to the side. When it's all done, I'll get you. So now Dominic goes and stands off to the side. Well, he waits for like 40 minutes. Everybody else has to get through. It's an hour-long line. He got through in the first like 20 minutes. So he's just standing there patiently. And I'm spending 40 minutes telling him, look, kid, there's like 12 security guards and the door is right there next to the stage. They're going to hustle him right out. I know he promised you, but there's no way he's going to remember that 40 minutes later. There's no, no way with all these people walking up and talking to him, he's going to remember you. And people are trying to sneak up on the side, so they're blocking him. Like, he's little, so, like, Nikki can't even see him anymore because people are walking up to take pictures of Nikki from the side. And the whole thing ends. Security's ushering everybody away. Nikki Delmonico's leaving. And my son is, like, walking up, and he's standing behind two security guards. And he's so little standing behind them. And he just gets out a week, like, uh, Mr. Delmonico. And Nikki Delmonico, he stops right away, turns around, one of the security guards goes, no, no, Nikki, we got to go. He goes, no, 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 I promised this kid. I promised this kid I was going to sign. So now everybody sees him sign. So now security, and you feel bad for security because now they have to kind of like block everybody else because they're going to take advantage. Oh, well, Nikki signed for this kid. Now 50 people were on a run over there. But he's doing it because he promised him in the line he'd take care of him. And he gets, he gets the little signature from Nikki Delmonico, and he made his absolute day. So trust me, I root for Nikki Delmonico to do well. Do I think he's making the 26-man roster, I don't. I just don't, I don't think he makes the roster. I don't think Daniel Polka makes the roster. There's, there's part of me that would, if you're going to bring up a person that's just going to come up and mash, Yerman Mercedes looks like he could do that. Uh, I, I, I guess you want to keep Zach Collins down so he can get more games behind the plates as he's not going to get a lot of plate appearances, so I could see that happening. But Adam Engel, it excites me if you're using him as a platoon and as a defensive replacement and for speed. If I if I want to add another outfielder out there and I have Leary as a, a Swiss Army knife, I see five guys that can go out and patrol the outfield right then and there. Do I, do I need a sixth? And so that's where I'm, I'm not sure if there's a spot for him or any of the non-roster invitees. With the exception of if Nick Mandrigal wins a job, I just don't see it happening. But I'm rooting for him. I am honest to goodness rooting for Nicky Delmonico this year. I think I think Sox fans that sat through this really long rebuild root for a guy like Nicky because he went through the hard times with you. You know, you're you're rooting for Nicky Delmonico because he went through the hard times with you and he's a cool guy. And and Polko's a co- cool guy too. I mean, remember, he wore a Sox in the Basement hat on a competing podcast television broadcast, which I thought was absolutely awesome when I heard about it. So, I mean, look, cool guys, you're rooting for them. But after all this rebuild, when you look at these names, isn't this fun? Because you're not sitting there saying, well, they're going to make the team and I hope they're good. Now you're saying, I don't know if they're really going to make the team, but I'm kind of pulling for them because of a little personal attachment that I have to them. Dave should be back next week. We will continue to get everything ready for this live broadcast at Cork and Carry at the Park on the 28th of March. Circle your calendars. Make it a plan. If you haven't bought tickets for the game yet, do so. Come join us at Cork and Carry at the Park. Then go to the game. Then come back to Cork and Carry at the Park. We had a huge crowd when we did this at the end of the season. We are working on some big-name guests that we can bring in here, and hopefully Brooks Boyer will return my call. This is Socks in the Basement. Very soon going to two shows a week. 
found everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Socks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.